Hello and welcome to West Indies on 99.94 Cricket Every Day. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. And with me as ever is my fellow co-host Santoki Nagilendran. West Indies on 99.94 is your new home for West Indies cricket content. And we'll be dropping in your podcast feed on YouTube or on the 99.94 app several times every week. So do yourself a favor, rate, review, subscribe, share, all that. Thanks for joining Cricket's Conversation. Today, and West Indies on 99.94, boy, we're going to be discussing West Indies crashing out of the T20 World Cup. Whilst all eyes are locked on the World Cup, Santoki and I are sitting in our houses, twiddling our thumbs, because Santoki, West Indies didn't even make it to the next round. You know what, Santoki? Take it away. As you said, Mash, this is the first and last West Indies on 99.94 episode looking at our World Cup campaign because it lasted a mere four or four or five days. And um, as you rightly said, West Indies have emphatically crashed out of the 2022 T20 World Cup. We're recording this 48 hours after the elimination. So we've had time to process it. We're a bit more calmer. So you'll be getting a different episode as if we recorded it straight after it happened. But Mash, we sort of, we gave warnings that this was, this potentially could happen. But I think we didn't see, we probably didn't see it coming, how emphatic it was. I mean, there was against Scotland and against Ireland. It just felt, West Indies were just outplayed in all areas. It was a complete demolition job and um, it's caused shockwaves around the region, I guess. Yeah, I think um, if we try and break it down first things first, we have to be honest and we have to say we deserve to be out of the competition. If we had managed to defend 147, I think it was, against Ireland and sneak through to the Super 12s, that would have been a travesty because really and truly when you extrapolate our performances, particularly with the bat across the three matches, we didn't ever actually turn up in the competition. And, and, and as you said, Santoku, we, we did foreshadow that this might be the case. Neither one of us was confident that we'd have any chance of topping the group. Both of us kind of said that if we went through, it'd only be because there was a chance. It was Sorry, it would only be because... Um, there were two teams that could go through in the group. That was the only reason we thought we might have a chance of going through. Um, but I guess the, the the obvious question to ask Santoki and that I put back to you is, is this just the natural conclusion to where our T20 cricket has been heading after, um, after all of the GOATs retired? Or do we need to blame individuals and look look for scapegoats to explain all this? I think, sadly, this is naturally sort of the long-term position of West Indies cricket in the T20 format. I mean, we've kind of, we've been taking a battering in Test cricket and ODI cricket for many years now, but we've always had T20 cricket. We've been the pioneers. We've won two World Cups. We've been leading from the forefront. Unfortunately, it seems as if we, we were relying on one generation, the GOAT generation, and in that process, we sort of stagnated and have other teams have caught up using data analysis, and we've been left behind um, in that regard. So for me, it doesn't seem like we'll ever get back anytime soon to the heady heights of having a generation who can take us to two World Cups. I just think this is where West Indies cricket are. There are potentially one or two changes you could have made to this side. 
But generally, these are the best players we have in the region. And these are players who are playing franchise cricket all around the world. So this hints to a systematic issue as this just, re- this just reflects where we currently at. I mean, last year we had an abysmal World Cup. But as you said, that was a generation who many felt had played beyond, beyond what was needed. They were one year ahead of kind of, it was one year beyond them, basically. Um, so we thought this World Cup, you know, it's the new generation. Let's see, this is going to be a reflection of where West Indies cricket is at in the future. And unfortunately, as we've seen, it's, it's not looking good, Mash. Um, we struggled, not getting into the main group of the World Cup for the first time in history. And I, for West Indies fans, this is going to be a tough time because, as I said at the top, um, it's been our silver lining T20 cricket. So to now be struggling in that, where is the light at the end of the tunnel for a West Indian fan or for youngsters growing up watching West Indies cricket? Where are they going to get their enjoyment from? Yeah, most definitely. Unless we now decide to turn our turn our eyes to the T10 format and decide to try and dominate that, <laughs> uh, it's, it's sticky times ahead. But I'm going to actually let you in on a bit of a, well, and by proxy, all the fans of West Indies on 99.94 or listeners. Um, I had a conversation, Santoki, um, about two, day, two days ago with a former with a former West Indian international, the name has to remain nameless. And that individual said to me the following, I'm going to read it out verbatim. I've got my phone there. He said, let's think about this for one second. The blame is going to be put on all the players and Phil and so on and so forth. But just as in the eighties, after our successful world, uh, world cup, and sorry, just as after the eighties, where nothing was done to continue the dominance after the success that our T20 side had in 2012 and 2016, what did we actually do to continue that dominance? This didn't just happen in this World Cup now. This started after 2016. Now, I'm not going to name which former critics um, had that conversation with me, but there is a lot of truth in that statement, Santoki. Because if, if we go back and look at it, when... When we won that World Cup in 2016, so Gail, Bravo, Sammy, uh, Badri, Suleiman, Ben, etc. The first thing that happened after that 2016 World Cup, Sammy got sacked as captain. Literally the day after or a couple of days, couple of weeks after he was sacked, Carlos Brathwaite was made the, the T20 captain. All of the players who were kind of stalwarts in that T20 era were basically moved to one side, right? And that, that former cricketer who sent me that message effectively is making the point, and it's one I agree with, that we didn't continue the legacy. And when I say continue the legacy, that doesn't mean that we must have picked all of the goats over and over and over again. But not only did we not continue the legacy, we didn't blood in any youngsters with the kind of goat generation to help them along the way. We basically just muddled around for three years in T20 cricket Essentially, Santoki, in my in my mind, depending on the legacy that we were the champion T20 side, and therefore that was just enough. Like our legacy almost went ahead of us, so teams would be fearful of playing the West Indies without any actual long term plan about what we were going to do with our T20 side going forward. Q2019 now, Santoki, COVID comes, and obviously as a result of COVID, we basically don't play T20 cricket. And when we did, it's in front of no crowds. There's like the, there was a CPL in front of no crowds in 2020, 2021, etc. Um, and then when the 2021 World Cup comes around, by that point in time, we didn't have a next generation to turn to. 
with any level of international experience. So we made the decision to basically go back to the GOATs and say, well, boy, can you not do it again? Because we don't actually have a next generation to turn to. So when I say, Santolkin, when you say this is probably the natural conclusion, it's a natural conclusion to five years of no plan. And this is where we're at now. Yeah, 100%. And I think the lack of foresight was there. If you remember... Who was it? We played um we played a bilateral series at the beginning of 2021 and we picked like Fidel Edwards, Ravi mm. Van Poor, those kind of players, elderly players. But if you think about it long term, knowing in mind there were two back-to-back T20 World Cups coming up, why were you trying to get Fidel Edwards in the side ahead of kind of blooding in a, a young fast bowler? So as you said, Mash, I think we were kind of hoping, um, not fans, generally staff, administrators, were hoping that, you know, this reputation of the GOAT generation would be able to carry us through. But bearing in mind their ages and the lack of... During COVID, a lot of them didn't play that much cricket. So it all added up. It was all a recipe for disaster. And um, it's like the chickens have come home to roost, essentially, because we've essentially got players, as Mashal, you've rightly said over the over the past few months, we've got guys like Romario Shepard, who we talk about as youngsters, but they're 27, 28. They just haven't had a chance to be blooded in. So it's hard to see kind of how we fix it ahead of the World Cup in the Caribbean, because that's only two years away. Um, and obviously we've got an ODI World Cup in between there. So it just it just seems like there was a lack of foresight and planning. And essentially what it boils down to is we took the T20 format for granted because we had yep. a group of players who'd succeeded for 10, 15 years. And in, in many fans, administrators, coaches' heads, they probably thought these guys would never retire. They've been playing for so long, they'll carry on. They'll take us through to two World Cups. And so there's our own taking for granted of these players and lack of foresight, which is kind of all come together to create this moment where we're fumbling out of the World Cup in the preliminary rounds to Scotland and Ireland and with a team that generally lacks direction. And naturally, blame will be attributed to one or two players, you know, the coach Phil Simmons, captain Nicholas Poran. But it's a systematic issue that you could have seen coming for the past two, three years because of that lack of planning. Yeah, and do you know what? That that blame game, let's touch on that, the other side of this break. Let's take a short break and then look at this uh, whole consternation around the blame game. You're listening to Cricket's Conversation on 99.94. Whatever your team, we have the show for you on podcast, YouTube or on the 99.94 app. We have India, England, South Africa, West Indies and now Sri Lanka covered. If you want to find us, the best way is to follow us on social media at 9994DM by downloading the 9994 app or Google 99.94 on podcast. We speak cricket. So, Santoki, I mean, it it, it doesn't take a, a genius to to find out what the, the feedback and response has been in the Caribbean. The cuss out has been long. It's still going on. Andy Roberts did a big cuss out calling all the batters swipers, not batters. The ex-Cricket West Indies president, um, Dave Cameron, that big idiot, he's been, he's been cussing, saying everybody's got a goal. Uh, we got everybody around the territories saying Phil's got to go, Puran's got to be sacked, uh, Skerritt's got to stand down. Everybody and anybody has an opinion on this. But Santoki, let's come to a definitive West Indies on 99.94 opinion. First things first, let's work with Nicholas Puran. Would you remove him as captain or do you think he's a victim of circumstance? I wouldn't remove him as captain. Um, he's only been captain for a few months. He's a young player. 
we couldn't expect him to have instant success coming into the role following from the big footsteps of um, Kyron Pollard. So I wouldn't sack him. However, there will be inevitable pressure on him, not only for some tactical decisions, which happened in the games of the World Cup, but also his own form. I think in his last eight uh, T20 internationals, he's been averaging something like six or seven uh, runs at a strike rate of 82. So his own form has been patchy. And as we've seen with international teams, often your captain is the one who leads by example. So if this is a continued run of poor form from Nicholas Poran, inevitably there'll be questions asked about his position in the side and the captaincy that goes with it. But as for now, I wouldn't sack him. I think he deserves more time. We know the talent he has and the potential. And also captaincy, captain of the West Indies. We've always talked about it. It's a tougher job than any other side because you're essentially trying to unite different cultures and different countries under one team banner. So for me, it's a tough job for him to come into and I would give him more time. So that's Nicholas. Phil Simmons. And before we answer about Phil Simmons, we've done some past episodes about Phil Simmons. In fact, if you... People listen to this, if you're new to West Indies on 99.94, go back and I think it was episode 8, 9, 10 or 11 or 12, one of those ones, we did an episode on Phil Simmons and we actually, again, foreshadowed that Phil might be under serious pressure if he went to the T20 World Cup and we fell out early doors. That's now come to pass. Now, before you answer about Phil, what I find interesting about Phil, though, Santoki, is that based on the people who've kind of messaged us and the kind of fallout in the media, there's this weird trade-off here, and I'm just going to throw some different arguments to you. Should Phil go? Yes, because someone's got to be accountable. That's one argument. Is Phil to blame for the batters not being able to bat consistently? Some say yes, because he's the head coach. Monty Desai is the batting coach. They need to take responsibility for these players not being able to bat. So yes, he should go. Has Phil presided over two back-to-back T20 World Cups where we flopped? Yes, so Phil should go. So all of those are arguments for the prosecution. Here's the arguments for the defence. These batters, who apparently Phil is to blame for, in the same way how... No, in fact, I won't use that analogy. Phil doesn't go out onto the pitch to bat for these guys, right? He doesn't go out to bat for them. When these batters continually show the same elementary mistakes trying to lash the ball out for six on big grounds where the dimensions don't suit that style of play and bowling into traps at Ireland and Scotland and Zimbabwe are set, or batting in, falling into traps at Ireland, Scotland and Zimbabwe are set him. Where is the line between a coach saying, don't do that, and then the players continually doing that? Now, I hear what people are going to say probably in response. Well, it's the coach's job to make sure they don't do that. But... Where's the line where we where's the line where the players take some responsibility? And also, Tandoki, where's the line where we say, and I've said it before, maybe they're not that good. Like if if somebody shows you over and over and over again that they always make the same mistakes, maybe that's because they're not that good. And I, I just don't know why people are unwilling to accept that these players, this might actually be, dare I say it, Santoki. This might be their natural level. This literally might be their natural level. So think of us as a lower, as we are, a lower tier full member side, borderline associate side. In fact, do you remember that that message you text me, Santoki, where you said we're basically an associate side with full member resources? That so I, I I don't know I don't know where people are failing to understand this. That doesn't mean Phil escapes blame, but I don't know where the rationale is for some to not understand. Do you think people fall, I'm saying so much here, do you think some people fall into the trap here that they think we're better than we are? 
All over to you, Sento. <laughs> well, man, if you saw me celebrating that win against Zimbabwe, you'd have think we'd have won the World Cup. So that, that sort of reflects my own sort of value of where we are at the moment. But I think, as you rightly said, I think in sports, um, there tends to be a tradition to have a scapegoat that generally is the head coach. So a lot of people are naturally going towards Phil Simmons. But it's interesting to note in his press conferences during the week, he labelled the batting as unprofessional. Now, for me, that's a key word. If you say something's unprofessional, it means you're not doing your job. So essentially, they're not listening to what he's saying or whatever he's directed. So a lot of the onus does have to fall on the batsman. There's only so, so many certain things a coach can do. Now, it also depends on, obviously the KPIs, the targets that Cricket West Indies have set. Phil Simmons, as you said, he's had two poor World Cups back-to-back now, so they might judge it on that performance. But for me, I just think there's only so much you can do. We have a small talent pool of players who are ready to play international cricket. It doesn't help when you've got the likes of the world-class players. We do have Hetmeyer, Narine not being able to play for the side. So he's working with limited resources. And I think the fact that we saw the nature of the wickets and sort of the reckless the reckless batting that we saw in the matches makes me think that it was down to more of individuals losing their composure and losing their head rather than a sort of failure of coaching. But it also wouldn't surprise me if sort of Phil Simmons was removed from the post just because there has to be a scapegoat. Ricky Skerritt alluded to it in a in a um, press statement as soon as West Indies were eliminated that there will be an inquiry as to what happens. You'd imagine in any inquiry, the coach is going to have a lot to answer for. Now, it'd be interesting to see what direction they go for if they have the resources to employ a separate white ball coach and just let Phil focus on test cricket, red ball cricket, where he's been doing well for the past few years. Or if they just decide to go under a new route, um, bearing in mind the ODI World Cup is next year and we have to play qualifiers, it could be maybe they think the players aren't listening to field the morale is too low, they have to get someone new in, a new authority figure. So it'd be interesting to see how it goes, but I do think it is unfair to sort of label all the blame on Phil Simmons and the lack of coaching. I think, as you said, Mash, the, the players have a ceiling at the moment. We've, we've been blessed that we've lived through 10 years of the GOAT generation where they set the standards for the rest of the world. At the moment, we've got players who are trying to play catch up with the rest of the world. And that's the big difference. Listen, I feel sorry for the next generation of West Indies fans because, Satoki, our, <laughs> our parents' generation managed to see the true GOAT <laughs> West Indies side not lose to anybody. Even though you and I have lived through West Indies largely being rubbish, at least we had the GOAT generation in T20. So we can look back at the next generation and say, well, boy, we we had the GOAT generation to watch in T20 cricket. So don't get this next generation coming up, don't have nothing. There's nothing to cling on to now. They got got absolutely nothing to cling on to. We're going to be there. This is what I mean. Go on, go on. this is what I mean when I say, what's the light of the end of the tunnel? If you're, say, if you're a seven or eight year old West Indies fan in the Caribbean, <laughs> where, where, why are you going to follow the sport? Why are you going to follow West Indies cricket? If all three formats, you're just seeing us take licks. Where, where's the hope? <laughs> where's the motivation to follow the side? At least, <laughs> at least players for the last, at least people for the last 10 years who have been able to see the GOAT generation, at least it's given them some inspiration. If your inspiration in T20 cricket now is watching, um, Yannick Carey bowl four overs, for instance. Well, what, what, you're not going to follow cricket or West Indies cricket. So for me, I think it's going to have massive repercussions for kind of maintaining interest. We will, we talk about obviously cricket not being as popular as it was in the Caribbean 20, 30 years ago. It's not going to help if the T20 side is also mediocre as the Test side and the ODI side has been. So this has got massive repercussions for sort of 
maintaining a fan base in younger generations in the region. And um, it's, it's worrying signs, Mash. And I don't know if there's an immediate fix to sort of resolving the talent pool issue um, with the resources we do have. Yeah. And, and do you know what, Santoki? I'm just reflecting. As, I mean, we're, we're already 20 minutes deep and the, the amount of detail we could go into to unpick this. There's so many different... So anyone who's listening is like, why haven't you spoken about this? That's because there's so many angles to, to go at this. We, we haven't even mentioned Santoki, something like, is the problem that we don't have a T20 domestic tournament? Obviously there's CPL, but we don't have a Caribbean tournament. Is I've, I've said it at length and people always think I'm joking, but is the solution that we have to bust Alan Stanford out of jail and get his money? Like, is that the solution? Because... I don't see how in T20 cricket, this isn't, this is why when people say get a new coach, this isn't changing like that. It's not just going to change just because a new guy turns up. The players are still the players. At best, you get marginal improvement, but nothing, nothing significant. But you know, let's take another quick break, Santoki, because <clears throat> you alluded to Ricky Skerritt's statement, and I think we should just unpick that ever so slightly. So let, let's just take a quick break and come back. If you love the language of cricket and want more, then head over to the 99.94 app and you can hear all of our podcasts and cricket commentary. We're adding new shows all the time and covering cricket series from all over the world. Be the first to hear all of our announcements by following us on social media at 9994DM. Welcome to Cricket's Conversation. So, Santoki, earlier on, you said that Ricky Skerritt, the Cricket West Indies president, had released a quite, some say scathing. I don't think it's scathing. I think it's just very factual. I'm just going to read it out to those who possibly haven't heard it or read it. He said the following. I am deeply disappointed with the performance results of our team in Australia, and I appreciate the sense of utter frustration that is being experienced by many. The ongoing inability of our batsmen to prevail over opposing slow bowling continued to be an obvious weakness in Australia. An untimely shot selection seemed to be deeply embedded in the T20 batting culture of our senior team. However, I want to assure stakeholders that a thorough post-mortem will be carried out on all aspects of our World Cup preparation and performance and that solutions will be found in keeping with Cricket West Indies' strategy to improve the quality and sustainability of cricket on all fronts and in all formats. West Indies cricket is bigger than any one individual or event and continues to need the input and support of all stakeholders. Santoki, we, we've had previous episodes where we've had to dive deep into our English GCSE skills and, uh, and work out what's being said within statements. <laughs> so, Santoki, break that one down for me. Stanza by stanza. What, what do you think Ricky Skerritt's saying there? Boy, I think... I think Ricky Skerritt, you, I mean, the haste in which that statement was dropped, it was dropped about an hour or two after West Indies had, had lost to Ireland. I think he's obviously, he, we've obviously fallen a lot below his expectations um, as president of Cricket West Indies, bearing in mind the preparation they've had for this tournament, the amount of T20 cricket they've played in the build-up. But I think it's key because he's also mirroring what Phil Simmons said. He's essentially blaming the batsmen in the region, um, in the side. It's not... It's not been the bowlers, it's been the batters' inabilities. So I think that there's been a key area which both him and the coaching staff have, have recognised as letting the side down, which is mainly the batting, the inability to play spin. And I think that's going to be a big theme. That's going to be a, something which um, the Inquisition focuses on going forward. Because the bowling, um, we, haven't, we haven't broken down the performance in the World Cup yet, but the bowling, obviously, 
there were players who stood out. The batting was just abysmal. And I think that's something which has really stood out. So I'd like to see kind of what they do going is how did, is it replacing the um, batting coach, Monty Desai? Do they have, um, did, how, how do they fix the batting in the region? Because as you said, Mash, it's obviously a, a, an issue consistently throughout players in the region that we can't play spin. There's an ability to rotate strike. Those common issues which have been coming up for the past few years. And so for me, that first stanza highlighting that makes it clear that that's going to be a priority for, for them to address post-World Cup. As a president, can you release a statement like that and not follow it up by sacking the coach? Well, this this is the thing, man, because that's essentially, it's essentially a cuss-out statement. I mean... It's it's very West Indian. No other, <laughs> I don't think any other country will have their president drop a statement like that <laughs> straight after the team's been eliminated. So all I know is something something will have to there will have to be something heads will have to roll somewhere, whether it be coaching, captain, um, the batting coach. Something will have to be done to show from the board that they are being proactive in addressing these issues and kind of looking towards it. It just remains to see what's going to happen. We know Ricky Skerritt has a very good relationship with Phil Simmons. So I don't know um, if, if that means that he'll give him more time. We never know. Just the nature of this being an unprecedented loss for West Indies in the T20 World Cup means anything could happen, Match. Anything could happen. They could just say to Phil Simmons, unacceptable. As much as you've done a good job in test cricket, this has been unacceptable in the World Cup. You have to go. I, I don't want to be the one to predict what will happen next. Um, but like you, I, I think you've made a very clear, I think you've made a very good statement there. Someone's going to get held accountable or something is going to get held accountable. Um, so like, watch this space is what I would say to all West Indian fans. I think Santolki is also right to say what's, what complicates this a bit further though, is the, of how close the ODI World Cup qualifiers are. And can you, for, like Santoki, if they remove Phil from the T20, by proxy, they have to remove him from ODI because you can't, you can't, you can't separate T20 from ODI. White ball's white ball at this stage for me. So whatever they do, they have to do quickly because the prep for the ODI World Cup qualifiers, well, that's upon us. Like that, that, that's, that's going to be early next year um, after the Zimbabwe South Africa tour. It's going to be shortly after that. So we don't have much time to be procrastinating about what happens next. But also as well, because I know in, in football, there's a three year, there's a three year coaching kind of theory, which is that if you've coached a side for three years and you haven't got the results you've wanted or you haven't got success, players' human instinct is that they stop listening to you by that third year. They mm. don't take anything you say seriously. So it could be as good as Phil Simmons is as a coach. These group of players, they've seen, they've, they've seen him underperforming two World T20 World Cups now. Um, and in white ball cricket, we struggled in ODIs. It might just be a case of we just need a new direction, just a fresh facing to come in with some new ideas to kind of get players motivated again. It could be maybe it's just one its course, this relationship with Phil Simmons and West Indies cricket, which would be unfortunate. But as you said, I think because we've got crucial World Cup qualifiers coming up in June, that's obviously given a time limit as well with which the board have to act. Are they going to stick with Phil Simmons, put faith in him and risk it? Um, us not qualifying for the World Cup if the players are unmotivated? Or are they going to roll the dice and bring in a fresh face, new coaching staff to try to galvanise this team and get them into the ODI World Cup? Because, Mash, if West Indies don't qualify for the 2023 ODI World Cup, that's going to be a disaster, both financially and for the image of West Indian cricket. Listen, we're not going to the ODI World Cup. I've already given up. I've already given up. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going. We're not going to the OGI World Cup. Are you? Let's remember, Santoki, one of South Africa or Sri Lanka 
is likely to be in those World Cup qualifiers. And if one of those two teams is in it, we know they're already taking one of the spots. So then all the pressure is on us to perform to try to take that second spot. It's long. And remember, Santoki, we're even worse in OGI cricket than we are in T20 cricket. But this is, you know what, yeah? This, this, is exactly, this is exactly what we were saying about foresight. Because if you think about it, the last World Cup qualifies 50 over. We basically got through because the umpire helped us. And, and there was a dubious LB, LB, LBW decision. So we scraped through the qualifiers last time. Not much has changed now. But sure enough, if we do fail to qualify for this World Cup, there'll be massive shock around the region when we can see it coming for years to come, this decline. So um, again, this is going to be a massive problem that we're going to have in June. And if we don't make it to the 2023 ODI World Cup, it's going to have going to be the absolute, as I've said before, an absolute disaster for West Indies cricket. The things aren't looking too good for the immediate future for West Indies cricket. And I think if you are going to look to turn it around, you're going to have to give five, 10 years for some sort of development program to take place and, and reap the rewards of that. So it's going to be a few more years of pain for West Indian cricket fans, I imagine. Yeah, 100% Santoki, fundamentally. And I think we can save that conversation for another episode of West Indies on 99.94. But people listening to this should be saying to themselves, so what now? What next? Beyond sack Nicholas Puran, sack Phil Simmons or any other knee-jerk reaction that people want to have. There should be a wider debate about what next. And that that debate is all about what are the processes, what are the strategies that need to be embedded long-term to overhaul West Indies cricket. We can all say it's something knee-jerk, but we'll be back here in the 2023 World Cup qualifiers and the 2024 home T20 World Cup underachieving. And then we'll be back here again saying sack whoever the coach is that time and sack who the captain is that time, et cetera, et cetera. So let, let's not have that debate now, Santoki. I think let's save that one because, boy, we could we could go forever with the, the what happens next debate. But I think let, let's let's leave it there, Santoki. Let's let that let's let this episode marinate in people's head. As ever, people, if you want to get uh, if you want to send in some comments at us at Carib Cricket, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Caribbean Cricket Podcast, etc. For any kind of feedback you've got on this particular episode, but Santoki, it's goodbye from me. Is it goodbye from you? Yeah, yeah. And just to echo what you said, Mash, I think a lot of fans will be surprised that they haven't seen us cuss out individual performances in the tournament. But I think what we're here to emphasize is it goes beyond that. It's systematic. It's a wider problem with West Indies cricket. So we can't blame it on one or two individual performances in the World Cup. So we're just going to let this episode marinate. And in future episodes, we'll kind of dissect and break down some more about where we go from there. So that's, that's the latest episode recorded. We're out of the World Cup. We're off to relax for the next few weeks. We're not, we don't have to be emotionally invested anymore. So yeah, that's goodbye from us. And we'll see you from the other side. Stay locked people. Thanks for listening to West Indies on 99.94. Please rate, review and subscribe. You can also download the 99.94 app from wherever you get your apps. If you'd like to follow us personally, go to at Carib Cricket on Twitter and Instagram. You can also head to www.caribbeancricketpodcast.com where you can find links to everything we do outside of 99.94. If you'd like to follow us personally, you can find Santoki at Santoki89 and Michelle at MashSTPaddy. Remember, if you love cricket, then 99.94 is the home of Cricket Audio. Follow them for podcasts and commentary from the world of cricket. Sports stars. They're like superheroes. But they're actually real. Which is why we've made a podcast about them. You see... 
They've all got a story. But too many of these stories were cut short. Colby Bryant. Payne Stewart. Flo jo, Phil Hughes. Justin Fashionew. We're writing episodes about all of them. And sadly, many more. Death of a Sports Star. A new series from Crowd Network.